NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody, again, and welcome into another edition of In Game Live here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith holding you down, taking a tour around the world of sports, and quite frankly, how we can make some money off of it. How has your week been, Jared? Uh, it's been okay. You know, we're starting to get into that mode where the NFL draft is is, is right. happening, and it's, it's very soon. Uh, it's a couple of weeks away, and now we can kind of grasp it in terms of, all right, the marketplace where it's kind of settled over the last month or two. I don't see any more drastic moves between now and then, and and that gives us a little bit of a of an idea of really where the books think some of these players are going to be taken, uh, and and again, I think over the next week or two, you know, we're going to hear little dribs and drabs, especially trade rumors, sure. but for the most part, once we get to the week two week mark out, you know, you try to shut out the noise because a lot of teams are going to put stuff out there that probably isn't true. Smoke screen, some of it is going to be true. And again, because of these digital times that we're in, it's probably going to be even more accelerated. So uh, we've reached that point in the in the NFL draft calendar where we're confident that it's going to happen. And, and, and now we kind of push forward with some of the projections that we've made. Yeah, absolutely. Let me get your thoughts on actually the construct of the draft before we dig into, you know, maybe some of the values and some of the players and some of the teams specifically. I've heard reports this week. You know, that some, you know, they're going to have this dry run, this rehearsal to make sure that the IT of it all is correct. But we are starting to also hear that maybe some team personnel are a little bit leery about, you know, uh, inviting these IT guys into their home. And we're hearing some of these IT guys are hesitant to, you know, go into another place. I mean, valid concerns. 
But you have to think the NFL will figure out a way. Technology be damned, right, Jared? I mean, we put on remote shows all the time, and we deal with sometimes glitches, sometimes hang-ups, but we get through it. You have to think a behemoth like the NFL would be able to do it. I don't hear FedEx delivering any packages for you, though. Right, <laughs> I was going to say that, that that that's something that's happened. It could happen at some point today, but you won't know because we'll edit it out later because that's the beauty that's of magic right. of television. Uh, or we'll, you'll, you'll probably know because I'm sure Ariel will throw me under the bus and put it on Twitter at some point, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, listen, I think those are all valid concerns, Dane. I mean, I, you know, if, if you know, I think we're, we're in these kind of extreme times where just communicating with each other is a struggle and there's a logistical obstacle to overcome uh, with our business and with every business you have to figure. And, you know, we've overcome a lot of logistical obstacles over the last month. Uh, a lot of them, you and I together dealing with them and, and, and you know, with our teammates as well, our, our uh, sports grid teammates. It's a uh, it's it's been a struggle for everybody. And I'm sure the NFL is certainly going to face some of these logistical challenges. But like you said, they're the NFL. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to overcome them. And I think they will. And I think a lot of these things right now are just kind of, you know, it's slow news cycle right now. There's not much going on. We're trying to figure out ways to kind of uh, populate these shows, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, the NFL draft is clearly the big one. And I think any little blip in the radar you hear, any little rumbling, any GM that speaks up, any reporter that tries to, you know, make an interesting angle, uh, you're going to be, it's going to be headline news. And, and, you know, Adam Schefter's been making a lot of it over the last couple of weeks. And frankly, you know, we talk about information from teams being sometimes skewed and kind of a smokescreen. Yeah. Adam's been pretty vocal in his opposition to the NFL draft happening uh, when it's happening. So I'm not surprised that a lot of the things he's tweeting out and a lot of the things we're hearing from him are all negative logistics. And I think the NFL will figure out a way to get through some of these, you know, concerns. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, an IT guy is, a, I would say it's a minor concern. I think the NFL will figure out a way around these things and we're going to have a draft and it's going to be interesting. We might have some hashtag work from home problems, uh, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And keep it locked to SportsGrid. We will be giving you the edge one way or another, whether that is breaking it down, trying to figure out how to make a little bit of extra cash on the draft, or even giving you our recap, our takeaways, maybe even live on the night of the NFL draft for round one. Keep it locked to SportsGrid to find out how we will continue to give you the edge. Jared, you talked about it, right? Everything is a smokescreen at this point in time. You talked about not maybe any more big moves in the marketplace, whether it's a guy like Jadavion Clowney, a guy like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston may have to wait for the draft to happen to see, you know, where the market moves and what teams may still need to fill those needs. I want to get your take, though, because you know I have mentioned to you that as a cynical New Yorker, I think part of the reason motivating GMs behind wanting to push it back is the idea of their own success rate, their own hit rate, right? They have incomplete information. Tua doesn't have a pro day. You can't press the flesh as it were. I have even heard some teams and GMs propose that this year the draft have extra rounds instead of seven rounds, have as many as 10 rounds. And you got to admit, Jared, this seems to be coming from the same motivation. If we don't have all the information and there's a bigger chance that we may fail, how about NFL? You give us some more bites at the apple. This is to my point that, you know, their own reputation is still on the line in this year's NFL draft. It's That's interesting. More rounds. You would think because of the situation in terms of not a lot of information, they would want to have to make less decisions. Yeah, so, so more rounds to me seems the opposite. Roster, right? Yeah, that's true. 
because think about it. it. You know, say you only have four rounds. Sure. And you only have to make four picks. You know, some teams will make five. Some teams will make three, depending if there's moves. But say you only make five picks. Then later, when things hopefully settle down in June, July, and August, then you go out and you get a good look at some of these guys, and you just sign them on under the same pay. Now, each that's the one thing about the NFL draft. Each round now, since the Sam Bradford days of those crazy contracts with the number one pick, right. each round has a slot of, Slotted, of yeah. money. Yeah, so you know you can use that you can use that monetary uh, system. Go out, sign picks. The first guy you sign could be your fifth round pick, and you pay him that much. The second guy, and you can prioritize them when you sign them. You can say, hey, this is going to be my number one free agent, uh, undrafted free agent. So he's going to get the fifth round t- uh, tender. And right. then the next guy will get the sixth round tender and so on and so forth. And and just, you know, make make your picks. And you're actually going to see these guys play. You're going to in person. You hope in three months we're going to have some movement with our economy. And, you know, you're, you're going to be able to get a better look at these guys. So I'm actually surprised that some of the GMs want more picks. Uh, I would say you'd want less. And I do think there is going to be a scouting curve that will need to be overcome for this. I mean, it, it does seem like you're going to have to be an old school scout. You're going to have to trust the game film. You're not going to have a lot of chance to rely on analytics or new school approaches. It's going to be an old school scouting approach for some of these guys. They're going to have to figure out a way to get to, you know, make the, make the proper picks and make them on time. The right. timing of the picks. Are we going to see 10 minutes between first round picks? Maybe. Do they need more time? Do they need less time? What's the learning curve here? So I think there's a lot of questions that still need answered about this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe the time to make the pick won't be any different. I'd be interested in how are they going to handle when teams are on the clock and trying to negotiate trades, Jared? You know, that's what I think takes some time when you have to connect with potentially two, three other GMs in that window. I think teams would be available and ready to make their pick, whether that's hitting it on some kind of app or sending a damn text message to the commissioner's office. However, the mechanics of it work. What I am intrigued, how will they communicate behind the scenes to work out some deals? And you know draft day always has a ton. But Jared, you also mentioned, you know, kind of the still changing narrative that we have here in this country, right? And and what sports are being canceled, what sports are playing, and the kind of moving target that we have. On this show and on this network, we've talked about the obvious implications and also the ones that are somewhat behind the scenes. So I wanted to bring that up um, as it relates to the NFL and specifically Jared, as it relates to the state of California, two pieces of news came out today, uh, last week, affecting you know the two teams that are in Los Angeles, the Rams and the Chargers. And I wanted to get your thoughts on both of them. Do you want the good news or the bad news first, Jared? Always bad news first. You want the bad news first. So these two, t- two teams will be sharing a stadium, as we know, that is supposed to set to open in 2020 this year new sofi stadium right stan Kroenke spending all of his money well there are reports this week that you know this stadium may not be opening on time and it makes sense right the coo of the rams came out and said well construction crews aren't really you know you know plowing forward to the finish line of this and i saw that this stadium jared was supposed to open it's kind of grand opening on July 25th with, above all things, a Taylor Swift concert, okay? so if <laughs> Everything that, everything good opens with a Taylor right, Swift and concert. We're already starting to see events that were in July get pushed back and postponed. I think, you know, we saw the U.S. Open and Wimbledon get postponed this week. Some of the golf majors are restaking claims on the calendar. But if this doesn't go down, what does this do for the Rams and the Chargers complicating their picture even more when we don't know what travel's going to look like? We don't know how 
quarantine teams or fans or no fans, these teams, and to be honest, in Las Vegas as well, they may have stadiums that aren't ready just yet. What does that mean to the equation, Jared? The state of California right now is a wild card right. in how we get back to normal sports operations in this country. So we have kind of, th this pandemic has done two things. First of all, it's knocked us all on our asses. We are all recovering. We are all grieving mentally, physically, however you want to put it. We're all changing the way that we go about our daily lives. That's one. Two, it's kind of changed the way that our states govern each other. Mm -hmm. So right now, the states, we've talked about it, they're competing against each other for medical supplies. The states right now feel that they are more individual entities than ever before because this pandemic has hit each state differently. Yeah. North Dakota is being hit very differently than New right. York right now. California is being very hit very differently than Montana right now. Right. And the state of California, which has always had strong leadership, so does the state of New York, so does the state of New Jersey, uh, but California has always been a very uh, left-wing left state. And now that President Trump has come out and said that he expects football to be back in this country by August and September, well, the, the Democratic governor of California and the Democratic leadership of California has said, we are not going to have sports in this country till Thanksgiving, or excuse me, in this state until Thanksgiving at best, if right. we're lucky. And that's, a, that's an eye-opening statement. That's seven months away. So... You know, I think what you're seeing is you're seeing a, a new federalism in this country where the states feel that they have the right to govern themselves and work independently from the federal government in these kinds of areas, COVID-related areas, stay-at-home order, shelter-in-place, those types of things is very much state-by-state. State. President Trump has said repeatedly that there is no national uh, quarantine uh, that can happen. And and that's something that, you know, that that's changing, that's changing the way that our country is governed and California could put a big, big uh, pause on a lot of uh, sport operations. If their government just says, listen, we're not opening these public venues for, right. for, for games. Uh, fans are no fans. We are canceling everything until X amount of time. It feels like Thanksgiving's a bit too far away to be already canceling sure. uh, considering we've seen other events rescheduled for September, October and November. And that being in a, in a possible window of resumption, but I think it's pretty obvious that California is going to be very aggressive and very conservative, in a sense, uh, about when they reopen their borders and when they reopen their public venues. And it's something to watch as this issue of sports starting back up gets politicized in this country uh, over the next few months until we get back to a situation of normalcy. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of points in there to unpack, Jared, right? But, you know, one of the things I said at the beginning of this, at the very beginning, Jared, remember I was talking about who is making these decisions? Where does the leadership come from? And when you have, you know, you may have an entity like the NCAA, for example, that is or is not making decisions. And if they're in the absence or in the vacuum of leadership there, what happened, Jared? conferences were free to kind of make their own decisions and yep. you saw the Big East decide it was like to the wild wild west it the was crazy decide to be like no and then you saw even lower level decision makers independent schools saying you know what screw you guys we're going home you know and i think on a you know there's an analogy there to federal government to state government to local government as well you know i've seen everything our president have said i'm here in new york Right. And he has said he wants that decision to, you know, to be made by governors on some level to turn that decision process over to governors. I believe at this, the point of this taping, there are still eight states in this union without 
a uh, stay-at-home technical order on the books. And then you mentioned the state of California, right? Well, if it's been set up to allow state leaders to make these decisions, what happens when they are in conflict with the idealism, optimism of whatever is coming out of the press briefings in the White House? If you ask me from a cynical standpoint, our president is also you know, staking out the optimistic ground and setting up a battle in the fall right before Election Day that he wants it to go on, but oh, these other people are taking away your sports or not allowing it to happen. But I digress. This is a sports show. So when we talk about about it from those like, yes, that is possible. But what does it mean not only for the state of California, Jared, because all of these states, as you said, are on different timelines, different severities. And when it comes down to these individuals who also have to make a decision, right? The NBA has also said, maybe there's a plan to do more than just play horse. Maybe there's a plan to put all these people together um, in a quarantine area and put on the NBA playoffs. And that may happen, but it's still an individual player's decision on if they want to go ahead and do that and how this could be potentially collectively bought. I was talking to our guy Joe Ranieri on the early line, and one of the things we talked about was the Major League Baseball policy to all play in Arizona, right? And it was interesting how that divided among players. You know, some of your younger players or players that aren't dealing with families and children already are like, sure, I'm chomping at the bit. Let's go. Meanwhile, maybe some veteran players, you know, who have families to deal with and are like, I'm not going to be quarantined for my family in this context for more than four months or whatever the case may be. So I think you're onto something that it is going to be a very interesting thing to see how, whether it's federal governments, state governments, local governments, these entities that are leagues, unions, and then individual players make their own decision on what level of risk they're trying to take because that's what it comes down to, right, Jared? It's it's new federalism. Right. I mean, it's 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 modern. To, I mean, we talk about you know his you know history lessons in our country and federalism. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that the old Federalist Party back in the yep. 1850s. You know when you know right before the Civil War, that's kind of how things went, and it was the and the states governed themselves, mm -hmm. and that's why we had a Civil War. So uh, you know, I think it, it's a it's it's an interesting. It, it, well, it's one of the reasons why. Uh, one of that, that was a big, uh, big sticking point uh, about cool. the states being able to set their own laws. Right. And and now we're kind of Don't seeing that. On. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're starting to see we're starting to see uh, a, a kind of, you know, push back towards that because these states have had to a lot of these governors feel like they've had to fend for themselves during this during this crisis. I know Governor Cuomo feels that way. He's been pleading with with President Trump for more help, and I know the governor of California feels that way as well. And that's why these are the states that have been the ones that have been the most vocal about this. And again, this all goes back to handicapping because it's going to change. Can you imagine? Can you imagine where Stanford or Cal or USC can't play home games this year? Everything right. has to be neutral site. Well, well Jared, all like of a sudden that changes the entire schedule. The Chargers haven't really played a home game in the better part of the last three years. Yeah, that's true. It might not affect them too much. It might actually help them in the long yeah. run. Yeah, and some of these are so unknown still. We do not necessarily know what it's going to look like. We are going to have multiple decision makers trying to get on the same page. Maybe that's part of the reason that our president had all of the major sports commissioners and, you know, Dana White and Vince McMahon in his uh, on a call together last weekend. But we will see. It'll be interesting. We know 
we need sports back for the quote-unquote normalcy and fabric of our society. The question is, what will happen when push comes to shove? The devil is always in the details. But we will talk about the details of the college football season, the NFL all-decade team, even major league divisional odds, and what we can learn based on what may or may not be the schedule this year. All that and more. It's in-game live. Dave Martinez and Jared Smith right here on SportsCenter. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to In Game Live right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith giving you the edge that you need as we look at the sports world and what is truly a changing landscape day by day, week by week, and sometimes hour by hour. Jared, one of the things, you know, one of the sports that is supposed to be going on right now is Major League Baseball, right? And, and we've heard that they're going to push it back. We've heard ideas of opening up in Arizona and bringing everybody there. I alluded to the fact that 
you know, some players may think this is a great idea. Some players may express concern about being quarantined from their families in these unprecedented times. The first thing I want to mention, Jared, is that we were getting clues from the Far East, okay? And, and one of the things that happened this week is um, the NPO, uh, Nippon Professional Organization in Japan. They, as, as most people know, are a big-time, you know, foreign league. And they had originally thought that they were going to kind of get back at it on April 24th. They had even, Jared, started, uh, you know, having team practices and almost like what would be their spring training, okay? But then this week, Prime Minister Abe came out and declared again a national emergency in Japan. And so they are now, you know, pushing it back. They're saying it's going to be delayed. And so if we are here in America trying to read any of the tea leaves from the countries that have already gone through it, I find this as a particularly interesting tea leaf to read, Jared. They even were going to continue with opening it back up, even though three of the Hanshin Tigers had tested positive for this virus. And so they were going to still plow all systems go, even despite that. I know you're talking about the state of California for uh, potentially Thanksgiving. We see different states saying different things now. The state of Virginia is sheltered in place until, you know, beginning of June. Meanwhile, the country is going to relook at this apparently at the end of this month. What do you think? I know that sometimes you have been, you know, pessimistic about this, Jared. But what do you think when you're starting to see countries who are already on the other side of their curve still kicking the can down the road? That's why I think the California thing is so interesting to me, because I think countries and leagues and, and states and municipalities are really going to be careful when they give the all clear. And I think everyone is going to be very cautious about this. I, I can't see a situation where we just flip a switch. I, I just can't because some switches have been flipped and they've had to be flipped back again in the other direction because they were a little too premature with opening things up. And there's a difference between opening things up and playing sports. I, I mean, playing sports is not an essential service. Like, let's be real. I, I, I know we need it. To us, it's essential. But in the grand scheme of the economy, in the grand scheme of what's happening in the world, it is a very non-essential service and business. Uh, so it's like a theme park. It's entertainment. You know, the entertainment industry has been massively hit from this. Movie theaters, theme parks, et cetera. So, uh, you know, that is – I put that in the same category as a sporting event. Uh, you know, so I, I think what we need to do as a country is we need to make sure that we're safe first. And our leaders need to make sure that whatever decisions are being made are being made in the best interest of public health. And if that means the states will individually get to decide when they are going to open their public domains up, you know, th then, then that's the way that we have to go. And I'm in favor of that. And I think that means that we are going to have some leagues that will have to make very tough decisions about how they handle home and away games or if everything is neutral site. Are you going to let teams, some teams play in their home venues and some not? The way I see it, teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Angels in those hard-hit areas, I don't see games at Yankee Stadium anytime soon. I don't see games at Dodger Stadium anytime soon. You just heard the California you know, Assembly say, we are not having a, you know, a, a, a right. public sporting events until Thanksgiving if we're lucky. Right. We're not going to see a we're not going to see a game at Dodger Stadium in September. I I I can't see that happening right now. Mm -hmm. And until we get better news, until we get a different rhetoric coming from these municipalities, I think I'm going to continue to believe 
that we will stay closed longer than people think. And maybe that will flatten the curve and the number of deaths will be down, and that's what I hope. But that means we might have to sacrifice some of the things that we're used to having, like a baseball game at Dodger Stadium in September. All right, fair enough. Let's look at this at brass tacks, right? Because we don't know some of those details of dates or what it'll look like. But one of the things we do here all the time, Jared, you and I on In Game Live is, you know, we, we try to look for value. We try to look for inefficiencies, given whatever context it is. And I came across something this week that I thought was interesting, and I knew you were the man to talk about it with, Jared. So, um, you know, I think it was over at 538. I read an article where they made an assumption about a shortened season, Jared, and in Major League Baseball. You know, as we know, 162 games is a regular Major League Baseball season, and maybe with a delayed start, Baseball has a unique opportunity, right? You could shave 20 games and still have a kind of season. You could shave 30, 40, 50 games and still have a season, maybe unlike some other sports that are out there. So what they did is they, they lowered the season. Instead of 162 games, they did it down to 102 games. And they ran 1,000 seasons of simulation. Okay, to see what the impact would be. And I find this very, very interesting, Jared. Let's first think about the theory. You and I both know, we say it all the time, when teams are playing a game against each other and it's raining outside, huge. We're like, oh, that might be a great equalizer. And in the same kind of sense, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have a shorter season, right, doesn't that make more variance possible, Jared, when you think about it? Because we always say this, right? The cream rises to the top over a 162-game season. Think about it from the money ball perspective, right? They were just trying to do at it from the data, from the numbers, what would give them the best chance to win over 162 games. So with this piece that I saw, and it makes sense to you and my data-driven mind, that if they did lop off a third of the season, a quarter of the season, that it would actually hurt the teams that you're mentioning, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Braves, let's even say. And maybe, just maybe, Jared, those teams that are a cut right below because of the variance that might be in play by, say, playing 100 games, 110 games, 120 games, as opposed to the full marathon that is the MLB season that they may have a better shot of sneaking in because, say, an injury may be more valuable that just happens to the Yankees or a surprise season. You know, there's less variance in just a shorter kind of season. So first, before we dive into that, do you buy that premise? Do you buy that hypothesis that a shorter season may actually hurt the big boy teams and help the teams just a cut below? I, I don't know if hurt is the right word, but it'll certainly have an impact. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I, I think teams will – I mean, the old saying in baseball is everybody wins 50 and loses 50. It's what you All do right. with the other 62 games that matter. So, you, you know, you take that off the table if you only play 100. And, and yeah, no, it, it's going to have an impact on teams that maybe get off the slower starts that are good teams that won't have enough time in the season left to come back. And I've seen that happen to the Yankees all the time. How many times do the Yankees get off to a sleepy start in April and May, and then all of a sudden the Bombers pick things up June, July, and August when that ball is flying out of the ballpark? Granted, we won't have an April and May in terms of the, the colder months of the baseball season to worry about. We might have some colder months at the end, depending on how long this season runs and, and, and what they decide to do with the logistics. But I, I, there, there certainly is a statistical uh, advantage for an underdog team if there's, uh, less, 
if there's less rolls of the dice. Exactly. So the odds of, of, of rolling a two right. are, what, are, are what they are. The odds of rolling a two twice and three yep. times exactly. and four times is, is exponentially higher. So that, in a one-game roll of the dice, yes, the underdog is certainly gets more uh, chew of the bone. Uh, 162 games, the le- you know the the kind of bite that the underdog will have is less severe. But when you squeeze the those amounts uh, of of you know chances uh, and make them smaller, yes, the underdog will have a statistically uh, better shot of winning one roll dies. So. And, and and that's you have to treat it like. And so, yeah, no, I, I think that will certainly come into play. Here's what we're not taking into account when okay. when we look at Nate Silver's article. Any of the situations. So does this mean you just blindly bet every underdog this year? No, that's, that's, that's bad. That's bad. You know, th- that's what this article is implying that you should do. But I, I think that that's what separates trend from handicap. You know, a trend is a trend. A handicap is an overall overarching theme where you right. take trends, you take matchups, you take – you know, situations, and then you, you know, make them into one elixir and you try to drink it and, you know, don't throw up after you drink it. <laughs> uh, so, so, so that's, that's what I think this article certainly gives you a, a, an idea of mm-hmm. is yes, you should give underdogs maybe a little bit of a harder look, uh, especially the bigger one because of the, the, the scenario that we're in, but that does not mean, uh, you know, like Nate is kind of suggesting in this article that you should just tell your bookie, all right, I'm blindly betting every underdog this season. I'll see you at the end of the year. Uh, because I don't think that's a winning proposition. It's also not very fun to be perfectly honest with you. I hear you. And I'm totally with you, Jared. And that's why that's not necessarily where I'm going, like the individual games, right? I'm thinking though about Division odds, let's say. Or, you know, we had so much fun about make the playoffs, yes, no. I'm thinking about those kinds of over the course of the season, not an individual game. So so check this out. They ran the simulation of a season a thousand times, right? And what they're showing is kind of the difference in running it a thousand times with a 162-game season and then running it a thousand times with a 102-game season. And for example, um, the Chicago White Sox, which is a team, you know, young talent, people think maybe they're on the precipice, who knows. When they ran a 162-game season simulation a thousand times, Jared, they made the playoffs 109 times, about 11%. When they ran it over only a 102-game season, the White Sox qualified for the playoffs 187 times, you see? So that's my theory right there, right? Like you're saying, with the condensed season, maybe there is, you know, more variance at play or some of this actually matters more. And the flip side, also true, Jared. The Houston Astros, in this simulation, this exercise, were hampered the worst, okay? They had a playoff appearance out of these 1,000 simulations 122 less times in the shorter season, okay? So I'm not talking about an individual game. I'm talking about if you have a shorter season, because, you know, after the marathon that is the Major League Baseball season, you know, the cream rising to the top, that may not necessarily always happen in a truncated season. In this simulation, Jared, the White Sox, you know, the Indians, the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, the Blue Jays, These were the kinds of teams that in the shorter season, at least in this simulation, really had more playoff appearances, more even World Series championships. And it was teams, ironically, like the the Dodgers, 
the Yankees, the Astros, the Nationals, who when you run a smaller simulation, they wind up showing up in the postseason less. So I think that was interesting, and I wanted to get your take on, not necessarily on an individual game, Jared, but if that is the case, you know, when you look at, say, the NL, the AL Central, for example, as a divisional futures bet, you know, right now the Minnesota Twins are favored at minus 160, but the Chicago White Sox are three or four to one. Meanwhile, they seem to be potentially a team that might benefit from the shorter season. So I'm wondering if you buy this premise and maybe there's value in a team like the Chicago White Sox or a team like the Cleveland Indians, one of these teams who may do better without the variance of the shorter season. So it's kind of funny. So the playoffs are pretty set, but the World Series titles, there's a little bit of weird yeah. uh, variance there. So there's right. teams at the bottom of the list, Angels and Twins, that are actually much better off mm -hmm. uh, from a 102-game season uh, than they would be in a 162-game season, which I think is interesting because, to me, those are second-tier World right. Series title contenders. Right. So that's where I'd look in this market. Okay. I wouldn't be betting on the, the teams that are expected to be bad. Just because it's a buyer's market in the underdog, uh, you know, department, and I would still try to find. And again, this is the difference between trend and handicap. I love five thirty-eight. I think they do a great job with numbers, but it's only a piece of the puzzle. You know, I can't just look at this and be like, "Oh, White Sox." I'm just going to bet their season win total over blindly because of this. So it's a factor of it. But I would look more towards the bottom of this list and look at the teams that are good quality teams. The mm -hmm. Twins, the Angels, even the Nationals are, are, are on top. So are the Rays. Uh, you know, these are teams that have World Series boosts, which means their price in the World Series market is undervalued. Uh, and you yeah. know me. Individual games, very it's it's tough, especially in baseball. Yep. But the futures markets where is really, I think, there's room to grow. You know, what this is telling me is I'm looking at the Angels and the Twins in the World Series futures markets. And and that's that's where I would look. And, you know, if you look at the futures markets right now, we'll put the odds up on the screen for you. Sure. Um, you know, these are teams, the Angels and the Twins, that are 16-1. to And the yep. Angels are uh, even further down a little Keep bit. Scrolling, brother. Keep scrolling. The Angels are 35 35-1. 35 to 1. 35 to 1 on the Angels. Right. So, those, to me, that's what I could take from this article. Not necessarily, you know, are underdogs a better play this year because of the shorter season, but are teams that maybe are a little bit undervalued in the World Series markets, but are still quality teams that would still make the playoffs most times uh, in, in, in these scenarios. Uh, are those teams a little bit undervalued here? And and the answer is yes. I would say Braves, or I would say Angels and Twins, based on these numbers, would be teams that I would look to play on in the World Series uh, futures markets. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, Jared. I remember Billy Bean and Moneyball, you know. He said he built his team to have, you know, be good over the long haul. But remember, those Oakland A's never could get out of the damn first-round series because then in a shorter five-game sample set, Anything mm -hmm. can happen. And on some level, going from 162 down to whatever it becomes, 140, 120, 85, who knows, is, you know, the similar premise there. It becomes more of a crapshoot and maybe more variety of outcomes is possible. The Angels, Jared, I know is another team that you and I have been talking about. And whenever the season starts, 
Shohei Otani may be able to go both ways and be ready to pitch as well. It's an interesting conversation. We'll have another interesting conversation after the break. It's Dane Martinez and Jared Smith right here on In Game Live. If you want the edge, this is the place to be. SportsGrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to In Game Live here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith taking you through all the news and notes in the sports world and how you can try to get some value, make some money off of it when you're, you know, potentially quarantined and stuck at home. Jared, earlier this hour, we were talking about construction of the Rams, of the Chargers Stadium, and that was kind of, you know, like a, uh-oh, we don't know what's going to happen story. Um, on the flip side, one thing we do know that's going to happen with the Rams and the Chargers, Jared, is they are going to be both featured 
on HBO's Hard Knocks. So I'm not talking about the Tiger King, you know, I'm not talking about anything else that you may binge watching right now. But what do you think about that? I mean, like WrestleMania went over two nights and changed their format. It looks like HBO Hard Knocks may be changing their format as well. I think it makes sense, right? Because they're going to both potentially be together, potentially be in the same stadium if it ever gets complete. What do you think about the Rams and the Chargers, both LA teams, being the focus of HBO's Hard Knocks? What storylines would you be interested to see there? Tollywood, baby. Tollywood. <laughs> give me more Give me more bang for the buck. So I, I, how about just building the stadium? I mean, can you, can you give me a camera right now? What's going on behind the scenes of the stadium building? Also, I'd be curious to see actually how hard it is uh, to move cities and some of the logistics that goes on with that um, and to move venues and, you know, some of those behind the scenes things. I mean, I, I know they've been in the same city, but, you know, they've been in different locations and now they're kind of merging into one. I, I want to see basically like a like a corporate finance M&A merger and acquisition story about how you take two teams and make them one. Uh, and it's kind of ironic, New York and L.A., those are the two cities now that have the dual occupancies uh, in their stadiums. So uh, it, I think that whole process to me is fascinating. Obviously, Stan Kroenke has gotten a lot of the headlines here. I'm sure we're going to be hearing from him a lot uh, over the next few weeks uh, as we get this stadium up and running. And, and you know, you mentioned the July opening is in, is in jeopardy. I would be shocked if that Taylor Swift concert happens, but there's worse things in the world, right? Uh, but I hope we have football in September. And again, yeah, right. <laughs> Not to her fans. Yeah, they're probably, I have some teenage girls that'll be ripping my face off right now. You take away their Taylor Swift concert. Um, I, I, I just hope that, I, I just hope that overall the state of California, and again, I think how a lot of these players have, have rebound, have rebounded, recovered, uh, restored their lives from this pandemic will be fascinating stories. A lot of the behind the scenes stuff, how each player was, was uh, impacted individually. Some of the charities they're giving back to. Uh, I think all of these things are going to be prominent uh, in the hard knocks this year, it's going to be, it's always one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, specials that we get uh, during the August months. And it's kind of a nice little, um, you know, artistic appetizer to the NFL season, so to say. And and I, I do think it's going to be a very interesting uh, HBO special this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of like the the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. They put the whole energy of, like, NFL films behind it, and it's great production value, and it's always, like, to wet the whistle, right, to get you ready for football season. And boy, are we ready for football season whenever it happens, Jared. One of the reasons I brought up Hard Knocks is, you know, we're talking about the Rams, we're talking about the Chargers. The, the Rams actually were featured on Hard Knocks the year they moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles, right? So I do think that idea of moving a team, there is some precedent on that. But I brought it up because I think the Chargers are very, very interesting. And on Hard Knocks, Whenever it is, Jared, one of the storylines will be who is the starting quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers? It might be a guy like Cam Newton. It might be Terod. Or it may be the number six pick overall of the NFL draft. A lot of people think the Chargers will be one of the teams addressing a quarterback need early on in the draft. And we've talked about this already a few times, Jared, but I do think there has been some interesting movement. And I want to get your take. I know we've talked Tua. I know we've talked Herbert. But the last time we talked, this has moved a little bit. The over-under on draft position for Tua Tagovailoa is now three and a half. We've had a conversation about him at two and a half, but that's been pushed back. But as it relates to the Chargers, the Justin Herbert total is right now at pick five and a half, which ironically is right 
between the Dolphins at five and the Chargers at six, the two quarterback needy teams that we think may go in that direction in the top 10 outside of obviously number one and Joe Burrow. So I'd like to get an update from you. What are you hearing in terms of the Tua health market? Are people warming to Tua, warming to Herbert? And where do you think it's fall? I know it's smokescreen time, but I've heard a lot of people thinking that maybe Justin Herbert is the apple of some of these teams' eyes. You know, the, the Tua market has shifted drastically uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I love it because it's going to give me the chance to bet both of these guys at plus money, and I think one of them is going to get taken higher than, than people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'd be shocked if someone doesn't reach for one of these guys. And you get, three, you get three cracks at the apple with Tua, you get five cracks at the apple with Herbert, and you could theoretically win both. Team could trade up at three to take Tua, then boom, whoever trades back into five, can take can could take Herbert, and uh, you know you know the Chargers might I think I think I think you got a decent shot to hit both, and I think you've got a re I think you're definitely hitting one. Someone's gonna someone's gonna move for one of these guys, and w- there's always movement made at the top of a draft for a quarterback. Right. When there's this many quarterbacks available, there's even more movement at the top of the draft. So I I, I love that the move that the market's moving against Tua. It's gonna allow me to re reposition myself with him and to get in on Herbert and potentially win both, but definitely at plus money. One of those bet, one of those unders is cashing. All right, so we will see. I know that market's been moving. We were talking about the Chargers. Wanted to get your take on that. Kind of generally speaking, Jared, because we talk about this almost once a week at this point, what else are you hearing in the draft buzz? I know it's going to be a virtual draft. I know we're talking about, like, the draft itself and how it's being put on, but whether it's in the kind of wide receiver market, you know, where people may be warming to a guy like Ruggs or who's someone who may be falling in the on draft boards. Have you what have you heard as you keep your ears to the ground, not only with Tua and the other quarterbacks, but who's rising, who's falling in your opinion? So uh, Isaiah Simmons is starting to get a lot of love in my eyes as a guy who could go in the top four. Uh, okay. And who could be a guy that if the that if he gets it he, and that if the, he's available at four to the Giants, uh, he won't get past uh, he won't get past four, and that's a guy that I would certainly look to uh, to really load up on if you can find a good future on him. Uh, I, I don't see anything on I don't I see Isaiah Isaiah Simmons as pick six and a half. Right, ironically, right before Carolina, who knows, would fill that need of Luke Keekley. But in the top six, maybe a team like Detroit, maybe a team like the Giants. I even had our colleague Joe Lisi on here today saying if the Miami Dolphins aren't in the quarterback market, if they like a guy like Eason that they could take later on or in the second round, maybe they pull a trigger on Isaiah Simmons. So there's a lot of opportunity there. I'm seeing him over or under pick six and a half, Jared. What book is it? What book do you see that on? That's on FanDuel. I'm seeing right now Isaiah Simmons over under pick six and a half. The over six and a half is plus one. Oh, you've got it in the linebackers. That's why. I was looking at the yep. defensive line. Yep, see, yep, the yep. positions are throwing me off. Very they don't have an edge. Right. Um, yeah, no, six and a half. I love that. Uh, yep. I'm going to be loading up on that real hard. And minus 140 is a nice price because I don't think there's any chance that he gets past four. No chance he gets past four. I think he can go in the top three. I think there's some people that might consider him better than Chase Young because of his versatility. You know, I don't think he's going to get taken before Chase Young, but my guess is he gets taken the pick after Chase Young. 
Wow. Okay. So I, I got to keep asking you about this because you are one of the people who have taught me we have to look at these markets in a big picture, comprehensive way. So if Isaiah Simmons is someone that is moving up big time and you think he could go in the top four, meanwhile, his number is six and a half, that represents value to me. You're talking about like the Lions might take him, the Giants might take him. I thought maybe the Giants were going O-line. We've talked about other directions the Lions could go. My kind of response and follow-up question is what does that mean for Jeff Akuda? okay because his market and by the way it's in the cornerback market we know what position he's gonna play on the outside locking down receivers he's still at four and a half okay and if you ask me the Giants aren't taking this guy they signed Bradbury in the offseason you know the, the market was really the Detroit Lions taking him potentially at number three to fill a hole. But now when you're talking about they may love Simmons, anybody would love to have Simmons as maybe the best defensive player not named Chase Young. Does it stand to reason that there's also value thinking Jeff Akuda may go later than the fourth pick? Yeah, I, I, I'm selling Akuda a little bit. I, I just think a corner getting taken that high, it, he has to be an all-world player. And 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 I, I haven't heard that about Akuda. Okay. I've heard a lot of impact kind of analysis come from Simmons over the last couple of weeks. And and I I think Simmons if you're gonna give me six and a half cracks at the apple, um I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna bet that Simmons gets gets taken before then. Um I, I think young Simmons and the three quarterbacks only gets you to five. Right. And who's getting taken in between them? You know one so, of the old Yeah, maybe, but I mean you'd have to have two of the old linemen taken before Simmons then. Um the three quarterbacks, young Simmons, and then I guess you could throw Akuda in there. Um, but are you taking the corner over over uh, over the offensive lineman? Probably not. But I I I I like that uh, Simmons pick a lot. I'm gonna be playing that Simmons under six and a half. That is absolutely something I'm gonna be buying. I'm probably gonna be buying it tonight. Uh, I did not see that on there until you just brought it to my attention. That's that's what we try to do with each other here. The conglomerate is in full effect. Jared. There's a lot of dra- there's a lot of props on this board. It's hard to get to all of them. No, I hear you. I hear you. We got plenty of time to get through it. You know what you said that uh, intrigued me, uh, Jared, is the idea that, you know, the positional value and, like, what they're listed as when it comes to Simmons as an edge, as a linebacker. And to be quite honest, Jared, that's something I thought about when the NFL just put out their all-decade team mm. as well. I was looking at some of the guys that they had, and I was like, wait a second. Where's Von Miller? And they didn't list him as a DN. They listed him as a linebacker, you know. I was like, oh, uh, how is this guy listed as a D tackle? Like a Calais Campbell, for example, a J.J. Watt was listed as a D end. Meanwhile, they're, you know, in my mind, kind of more in the middle of a front. So, for, you know, this idea of what position some of these guys play, I find very, very intriguing. But let's look at this all-decade team, all right, Jad, for a couple of minutes. First on the offensive side of the ball, you know, and, and we can go through these positions. Maybe if you have any other kind of nominees or snubs, I'd be interested to get your take. The, the quarterbacks listed on this team, Jared, are, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady now being on the all-decade team in the aughts and in the teens. I think he's the first person to ever do it in two straight decades. Do you find, you know, do you find any issues with this? I, I would like to see a different quarterback in there personally. I'll tell you who it is in a second. But I bet have- it's the same for both of us. I want to see Drew Brees. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. I want to see Drew Brees in here. And he, I leads think- the, he leads the entire NFL in passing touchdowns and yards and touchdowns, right? Exactly. And Go listen, on. 
for any list, right, whether it's an all-star team or whatever it is, if you're going to put someone on, you got to take someone off. I am comfortable putting Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers for the decade that just finished. I mean, I'll give you Tom Brady, but you look at the passing yards, you look at the touchdowns, they both won a Super Bowl. And Tom, I mean, excuse me, Drew Brees now has record upon record upon record, right, for this passing league that we are in. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see Drew Brees in there over Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? Should we start a campaign? Yeah, I think we absolutely should. The other one uh, on the defensive side, we talk about yeah. um, linebackers and DN. So, I, I, again, I'm looking through the mentions and I'm, and I'm hoping, to, you know, of this tweet that you sent out and I'm hoping to get some insider knowledge from some stats because it's hard to look at every stat that of sure. players aren't on the board. But it has an interesting discrepancy between Julius Peppers and Cameron Wake. So Cameron Wake had 17 more sacks in his uh, 140, 141 games than uh, Julius Peppers did in 144 games. So Wake had 95 sacks in 141 games. Peppers had nine. Julius Peppers is great, but 78 and a half sacks in 144 games. That's a big difference. Yep. And sacks are everything in this in this particular uh, uh, defensive uh, category here in this particular position. So I, I would say Cameron Wake should get a look to be on this uh, team as well. Yep, and this is a guy, remember Cameron Wake, who goes to Miami after, I think, being in, like, the, the Canadian Football League or the Arena Football League. So, you know, absolutely, he deserves um, kind of uh, consideration. Another pass rusher for me, Jared, and go ahead and look up his sack numbers because you're right, that is the telltale sign here. I was surprised that DeMarcus Ware was not on this list. You know, someone for the Cowboys who, for this entire decade, was a fearsome edge rusher and you know you talked about you know um you talked about julius peppers you talked about calais campbell i don't know that cameron jordan was ever the most dominant kind of pass rusher don't get me wrong it's a good player okay for the saints and deserves the pro bowls that he got but when you talk about like a a pass rusher that struck fear in the heart of opposing offenses i actually thought demarcus ware was an interesting um omission from this list as well yeah, I, I think that makes sense to me. I mean, I like Chandler Jones a lot. The linebackers are certainly solid. Jones, yeah. Mack, and Miller. Yeah. I can't take any uh, argument with that. Patrick Peterson, Rebus Sherman. I think that's that's pretty I'm good. That one. I have issues with the same. How about Cam guys? Chancellor at safety? There you though. go. That's the one I was thinking of myself. Over Eric Weddle, I would say. Absolutely. I was thinking. Listen, in in that in this Legion of Boom needs a little line. love, man. <laughs> decade the legion of boom was probably the most preeminent defense you know i mentioned von miller and those denver bronco teams clearly you know some of those raven teams as well sherman makes the cut um you know earl thomas makes the cut but i'm with you cam chancellor needs to be on this all decade team there's a lot of love for a guy like harrison smith on the minnesota vikings as well but i can see cam chancellor definitely being ahead of either eric berry or Eric Weddle on this list. I mean, Eric Berry, we know the story, and it's you know great that he came back from his disease. But yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought Cam Chancellor needed to be included. Yeah, Chancellor should be on this list. I'm fine with the coaches, Carol and yeah. Belichick. I think that makes sense. Well, I don't know. Um, maybe Sean Payton and Andy Reid. Yeah, I don't think you can put Andy Reid on there. Does this year count? 2020, his Super Bowl doesn't count for this year, right? So he didn't win a Super Bowl. I don't think you could put him on the list. 19 season though. That's true. Season. You know, good to have some fun with that. Sure. When we 
back. It's our number two. And, you know, listen, the goal of anybody in that NFL draft is going to be on the all-decade team of the 20s. The goal of any college football player right now is to win games for their team and ultimately to make it to the NFL. We talked about the draft, but let's look at the college football season. If and when and where it happens, my guy Jared Smith is going to give you some value in our number two. Just keep it locked. That's what we're here for. We're giving you the edge. It's in-game live here on Sports Day. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.